This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the $100 is Rich Jones. Okay, Rich Jones, he is stuck in corporate. He wants to break free. He's binging on the show. For your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday morning, simply subscribe to the podcast right now on iTunes and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it. Nathan Latke here. This is episode 581. Coming up tomorrow morning, you're going to learn from Calvin, the CEO of Simplero. It's a SaaS company with a team of just two people. But guess what? It makes a million per year and it's totally bootstrapped. This is what I mean why it's way more important. Don't worry about being a unicorn. Hit singles and doubles. Calvin is doing it and boy, is he getting rich because of it. You don't want to miss tomorrow's episode. Good morning, guys. And Nathan Latke here. Our guest today is Russ Heddleston. He's the CEO and co-founder of DocSend. Previously, he was a product manager at Facebook, where he arrived via the acquisition of his startup, Pursuit.com. Russ has also held roles at Dropbox, Graystripe, and Trulia. He received a BS in computer engineering and an MS in computer science from Stanford, along with an MBA from Harvard. Russ, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Very good. Well, thanks for joining. Tell us first real quick. So you arrived at Facebook via Pursuit. Uh, what did Pursuit do? Pursuit was a, um, si- a system for human resources to manage their referral programs for employees. And so it was a very smart way of tracking and understanding who's making referrals, where those people are coming from, and helping companies just manage that whole process more effectively. Uh, and after running that for a little over a year, uh, we shopped it to LinkedIn and Facebook and decided to go with Facebook. I appreciate you being transparent there and saying kind of you shopped it. A lot of people say never, you know, you never want to sell your company. What what kind of made you guys decide to go through that if that was truly an intentional process? <laughs> it, it was. We looked at our own numbers and the theory that we had, we had a hi- hypothesis we wanted to test it. You know, we got you know 40 companies signed up for the service, a few thousand users, and then the numbers just weren't looking like we wanted them to. Can you give an so example for us? Absolutely. So we would look at how many people were being referred and we figured out that they were going out of band, like those hires were happening. And then we were like, why? And then we kind of dug into the psychology of what we're doing. And without it being a separate podcast, basically decided that some (laughs) of our assumptions were incorrect in our product and that to change those assumptions would be a huge process. And we were just kind of out at that point. We'd been doing a little over a year, raised about 500K. And Facebook's one of our first customers. So uh, we went and talked to them. We talked to LinkedIn about, you know, you just like joining them. Yeah. And you're, you're right. We totally decided to sell the company uh, and to shop it around. Um, so that, that just made the most sense for us. Yeah. Uh, would you say kind of soft landing talent acquisition more or less? Oh yeah, for sure. The, yeah. the assets of the company weren't uh, acquired, but we were all incredibly happy with the outcome. So you were product manager at Facebook. What product were you on? I was the product manager for the pages team. Uh, so anything with a like button on it, that's not a human being like a, like a, like a profile. So uh, that's a, a pretty big swath of uh, what Facebook does is, is included under pages. And you, sorry, you said you're working with the personalities versus the brands or the brands. 
of brands and personalities both have Facebook pages. Uh, so both of them have likes. You can't add them as a friend. And at the time, it was a very small team at Facebook. And uh, I got to have a great experience being there and, and growing that team out significantly over a couple of year period. So let's let's jump into DocSend now. So what year did you make the decision to leave Facebook and start DocSend? Uh, we started DocSend in 2013. So it's you know over three and a half years ago now that we started the company. And the very first version of it was uh, something that came from an insight I had uh, while I interned at Dropbox while I was in business school in uh, 2010. And, and that is that sending attachments is just really not a great way to go. Uh, it just brings up a lot of problems. So we wanted to come up with a system that worked well for businesses to send uh, documents as links and not attachments. And there are a few properties that we really wanted that were just missing from all the other systems out there around security and tracking and being able to update things and just insight in what what is happening when I send uh, content uh, or documents out to people. And so uh, the first version of DocSend was, was just that. That's just what we wanted. Very simple, easy to use system, sign up, get going, uh, just hit the ground running. And we launched that at TechCrunch Disrupt in 2014. And what was, because uh, usually this is an embarrassingly low number, which is which is obviously fine. But do you remember what your first year revenue was? Um, if it I, was above zero? <laughs> uh, no, we didn't charge any money for the first year. So it was for sure zero. Got it. And we were just focused on growth. Um, uh, you couldn't pay us money if you wanted to. Uh, we launched the product and we just wanted to see what happens. Where does it go? Who looks at it? Like who's using it? And so we launched it. We saw a good spike. Uh, we saw a nice growth after that. And we were really digging into the numbers around um, like who is using And it wasn't Facebook-like growth numbers. Like if you look at a consumer company versus a B2B company, it was clear that what Doxum was doing was a very high value, um, but it wasn't going to be uh, a Facebook size in terms of like user count. We just aren't consumer. Everyone is using Doxend for a business application. But what happened in that year is that we took a hard look at everyone using Doxend. For instance, people use it in fundraising all the time. If you ask any venture capitalist about Doxend, they'll be like, yes, I get all Doxend links now. And that was really nice for us. Um, unfortunately, that's not a great business to be in. Uh, so we looked at some of the other cohorts of users that we had. Just you other mean that, use that sample, so that use case is not a good use case for you. That's right. You yeah. can't build a big business around around. Uh, it's like that. one time, right? Yeah, exactly. After a few months, they successfully raised and they're and they, done. <laughs> And they're gone or it didn't work, which is unfortunately you need a transaction fee on that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. This would be great. We actually did get approached by a hedge fund about about buying the company, and that would have been awful for everyone. But I, <laughs> I thought that was flattering in a way, I guess, that they were like, We've seen so many of your links that we would like uh, we, we would like access to your data. And like, no, yeah. security and privacy are obviously paramount to us. But in any case, that wasn't a great use case. What we saw was that salespeople do use DocSend and they use it kind of forever. Yep. And salespeople are kind of similar to fund people fundraising. You're both selling something of high value. You have to have assets that describe the value that you're bringing and you're trying to get a transaction done. And there's a lot on the line. So you want to make sure that the up-to-date thing is always seen. You want to understand who's looking at it, who cares, who doesn't care. So Russ, uh, if we if we fast forward, uh, you, uh, I assume you have revenue today, right? We do. So what is the, when you turned on pricing, give us kind of a snapshot, January 2017. What's the, we won't talk about every plan. So just give us an average. What's the average customer paying you per month? Uh, it, so it, it, it's broken out uh, in tiers. So there are basically two businesses we have. One is the self-serve business. You can still come to DocSend and you can still sign up and pay us 10 bucks a month. Okay. And that's great. Please do that. It's an awesome product. 
what we found was that we need to go after bigger teams and that the problem we solve is even more pronounced at large sales and marketing teams where um, marketing doesn't know what content sales is using and sales has a really hard time just finding and sending the content they need to to close deals. Um, and so all the tracking is involved in that, but it's, it's kind of a multiplayer game that we play. And so that's the enterprise plan we have. And that's where we make most of our money today. I like um, uh, more than 80%. Um, uh, it is, uh, like, do you see yeah, 80, 20, it's, it's do you see 20 kind of rules here? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's, especially when we look forward to the next year, as we go up market and sell bigger contracts, we used to be 2080 and uh, yeah, 80, 20 is, is a good rule of thumb in terms of what we uh, look at. We don't focus on the, uh, self-serve inbound stuff anymore. Got it. It's more targeting outbound. Uh, deals and for, and, for that and 80, so, 80 Russ for that 80 percent so w- what's the average there we have a lot of listeners that are in this space right sales people and they're gonna be going hey should I try DocSend or not G- give them a sense of kind of the average price for an enterprise um it totally varies based on the size of team we target so we've run this experiment where we target really big companies you know like 100k plus deals and looked at how long those take and we've targeted really small deals and we look at how long those take we actually haven't found that it, a big difference in terms of time between uh, we we go by the number of salespeople using the product as our. our so what do, what do you charge so by that, Russ? Is that is that same no matter of the, no matter the size? It it varies. No, it varies between fifty dollars and ninety dollars per user per month, depending on if there's screen sharing, if there's Salesforce involved in there. I think it comes out to around like seventy or eighty dollars a user a month. Mm-hmm. So let's just say roughly a thousand dollars a user a year. Uh, we uh, for our outbound only target teams of thirty and above. Uh, so that'd be about $30,000 a year, uh, an annual contract value for that. We found that like selling to a team at 10 is the same amount of time as selling to a team at 30. And if you have outbound, it's expensive. And so, you know, it needs to make sense. If you get up into the hundreds of salespeople, the, um, time it takes to get that deal closed goes up significantly. So when you ask like, what's your average annual contract value, like any outbound <laughs> company, the, the answer is it depends on who we're targeting and we can target various size. It's interesting because Dropbox has had a similar experience where they've gone way up market and they've closed some of those big logos and then they've pulled back looking at how long those take uh, and just kind of the cost benefit there. Give us a sense of what your economics look like on that sales process. So like what's your, what's your total team size currently and what percentage of those are salespeople? Um, the, the total team size is around 25 and it is just six salespeople. Okay, six, great. So what, call it a fourth. Um, all right, good. And you guys are all based in San Fran. We have one in New York and then five in San Fran. Okay. Got it. Uh, sorry. No, your total team are most of you guys in San Francisco. Oh, other than the one guy. Yes. Everyone's okay. in San Francisco. Okay. Good. Yeah. You got your, you got, you got, you got your New York hustler going out there closing <laughs> deals, right? <laughs> That's right. You got to have the feet on the street. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Very good. And okay. Before we talk more kind of about product and why links are more important than attachments and things like that. Um, so you launched in 2013 focused on usage, usage, usage. When did you introduce the pricing plan? We introduced the pricing plan, um, I think in um, actually a year later, almost exactly a year later from when we launched. So it was in like March or April of 2014. Okay. And if we fast forward to January, 2017, whatever you care most about, whether it's seats or logos that have seats under them, uh, how many of you pick, which one, how many of either of those do you have? Um, so we actually have over 2,800 paying companies right now. Okay. Um, and we have, that's a fraction of the total number that are using docs. And, but among those 2,800, I really care about a mix of logo and, um, seat count. Okay. And the, the reason is that 
if um, I actually don't even know off the top of my head which which brands I'm allowed to well, don't say about. don't say any then. But on, yeah. on on average, all those twenty eight hundred paying companies, how many seats per company would you say on average? Well, no, it's bucketed between ones that are just a few. We don't really care a lot about them. And then amongst the 10 or above, I get really excited when it's like a team of 50 or more salespeople, because that's that's a really interesting sale to get done. There's a sales ops person involved. There's a content marketing person involved. The sales and the marketing teams need to work together effectively. The complexity of that sale really goes up. So the teams of 50 or more that we get locked into Docsend and actually buy into the value prop. That for me is really exciting because it, it it feels like a whole different product, a different sale, a different company than what we launched in 2013. And the economics are way better. Yeah. So your target is obviously teams of 50 or more. But if you just a total number of users on your platform right now that are under a paid plan is how many? Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. It's definitely um, above that. Above. And, and definitely. Uh, I mean, it's definitely above 10,000. I okay. would guess. Got it. Got it. Cool. So that's good. To, uh, that's good to understand. And then walk us through um, some more of the history here. So bootstrapped or we raised capital? Uh, we've raised capital. Um, we've raised about 10 million in um, venture capital and then another uh, million in venture debt. So around 11 million uh, in total. Uh, happy about that or do you regret it? Oh, no, super happy about that. August Capital led the A round. Howard Hartenbaum is on our board. He's fantastic. Uh, Jeff Clavier from Soft Tech led our seed round, and he's on our board, and he's also fantastic. Um, I think it's a team sport. Uh, I have a lot of admiration for the companies that bootstrap it and get it there. Uh, I think for us, having access to those networks and having access to, to that help has been really helpful for us. Um, even just having board meetings. Uh, every couple months is just great to check in every once in a while, look back, get an outside perspective and make sure you're on track. Um, so I've been very happy with the, the investors that we've, we've picked a partner and with. And Russ, you said that was 10 million total raised? In, yeah, 11 million total, including venture debt. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of folks are kind of, when did you tack on the venture debt? Was it as part of your series A? No, it was uh, post series seed. Post series. Okay, so it's kind of like you almost use it like a bridge between seed and series A? Yeah, actually, after we took on venture debt, I wrote a blog post about it. I mean, there are some very oh, important cool. things to keep in mind with it, uh, just around um, the, the, the like the ratio of venture debt to, to money in the bank that you have. It's it's really um, a insurance policy, and it, it extends your runway a little bit, but it can really come back to bite you, uh, depending on like a few different scenarios happening and things like that. Well, obviously, those sorts of things. But even if you get like a pretty good term sheet, just the way venture debt is structured. Um, it will extend your runway some in some scenarios, but it's also kind of scary in terms of just the rights they have over you. Um, and anyway, something to, to be let's used link in some to scenarios. Russ, if you Skype me that link, we'll link to that in the show notes so people can check that out. It sounds like okay. you got some valuable stuff there. Um, okay, let's pull. So I'm going to pull some of this math forward real quick. Okay, so $70 ARPU, you said at, at a minimum of 10,000 seats. So it's fair to say you're doing above 700 grand in monthly recurring revenue, right? Um, I can't talk about our revenue. Uh, okay. All right, that seat number, though, and the ARPU number, those are basically averages, right? That's a minimum. The, uh, the, oh, tell, the me why that math, per- tell me why that math would be wrong, Russ. You told me earlier $70 ARPU was, <laughs> was average, right? And you definitely have more than 10,000 seats. So why would you not have more than 700 grand in revenue monthly? What, uh, it, so it, the number of companies that are paying for it range between $10 a month and uh, basically $100 a user a month. And so there's quite the split there between um, the the ones that are just coming in and self serve, and then the larger ones that we go afterwards. Um, so, yeah, that that split is not something that um, I would like to talk about. Well, you you articulated it was basically eighty twenty though, correct? 
In terms of the new stuff coming in, yeah. Um, and the historical stuff, I don't know what it would break out into in total. Okay, got it. So if we, so basically, what you're saying is that seventy dollars ARPU number. That's really on your on your cohort of folks you're newly targeting, right? Which are more kind of enterprise level. That's not a reflection right. of the total twenty eight hundred customers you have currently, which a lot of them are probably self serve at ten bucks. Uh, many of them are, yes. Yeah. Okay, good. I just want to get a minimum number, Russ, just so, so, and we don't have to talk about how big you are, but let's say a minimum is 10, right? Times, times 2,800 customers, right? So you're definitely doing more than 28,000, or sorry, you're, and there's 10,000 seats. You're definitely doing more than 100 grand in monthly recurring revenue. Can we, can we, we, can, put a base, we can put a baseline on this, correct? Um, you know what? I I could, but I, I don't really see the benefit in it for me at this point, uh, talking about the math. You got, yeah. I'll let audience, you guys can do the math. The reason Russ, I think this kind of stuff is important is because it's rarely talked about. And, uh, and, and when people can understand some of these numbers, it helps them better understand strategies they could employ in their own businesses, right? Maybe they consider venture debt if their economics look similar to yours or if they don't look similar. So thanks for being transparent. Sure. Two, two things to note on that that are important. When we look at our legacy business around uh, inbound and self-serve, sometimes companies get that right and you just take off at an incredible rate and you're like, wow, this is super exciting. You've got to be growing at 20% a month uh, with that type of number for that to be like, we've made it. Um, and you Wait, with what kind of number? The self-serve stuff? Just the self-serve inbound. Yeah, because that one's hard to influence. What's exciting about outbound is that you control the destiny of that. And so what was exciting for me is when we got to the point where we can sell $50,000 a year deals, and we can do that in a minimum amount of time. And then it's really just a function of scaling up your sales team. The trick is not to do that too early. And the trick is to understand specifically what's going into that being successful and asking the question, can that scale? Um, and so that's why I say in terms of new revenue that we make, having that be 80-20 is pretty exciting for me, uh, especially in terms of building out our, our sales team this year. And they, they really are two separate businesses. So when you ask questions about like the mix of the two, like I, it's not even something I, I pay a whole lot of attention to. Yep. Yep. In other words, you're not looking at an average across your entire customer base. You're definitely splitting out at a minimum into two cohorts. One is self-serve, one is enterprise, probably more cohorts than just that. There are more cohorts than just that, but, but at a rough one, yeah, I yeah. get excited about the larger teams that are using us for slightly different reasons than the people who are using us for their fundraising um, or for other individual yeah. churn, users. Churn is critical in these kinds of businesses. If we just focus on kind of your enterprise cohort, um, what is your gross customer monthly churn and how do you manage that? What, what kind of utility are you, are you trying to drive you know, daily so people stay sticky? Yeah, so we haven't lost a team of greater than 10 salespeople from Docsend um, that's just churned. Uh, yeah, so that that's really exciting to me. Over and your history, reason, your life. Yeah, over our history, our life. Um, and the reason is that once uh, a team adopts a system that connects sales and marketing like Docsend does, it's if, even if sales wants to get rid of it, marketing doesn't want to get rid of it. The marketing decides to get rid of it, sales like, no, we need that. And so it's hard to get the adoption, but it's hard to get rid of it as well. And that is a really attractive property for us. The, the churn in the self-serve stuff is, is super high, but our... our what is that rest though? Quantify that. Five percent monthly, ten percent monthly? I don't know off the top of my head what's what it high is, mean? but what's high mean? Well, like those numbers are certainly high that okay. you gave me. Um, and the thing that matters there is the net promoter score that we get. And people are really happy with it. They're like, oh, I love Docsend, but but yeah, of course I'm not gonna pay for it anymore. I don't I don't really need it now, but I might use it again later this year. And so for me, that's, oh, that's great. It's a nice product. They like it, but it's, it's not a great business characteristic. I think like, what is it? 1% monthly is kind of a a general target for for companies to to aim for. If it's much above that, then that's pretty worrying. Have Um, you, have you hit kind of the magical net negative revenue churn just because your expansion activities are really working? Oh yeah. In the enterprise, like we haven't had a, a customer churn yet of 10 or larger seats. 
and they mostly expand. Uh, there have been a couple of contractions. And when that happens, I, I mean, I feel bad for the company. It's like, oh, that's really rough to have to cut part of your sales team. Is um, not, it's only happened a couple of times. Is that where you're, is most of your expansion is, is literally when your salesperson's on the phone with that company, are most of the expansion kind of benefits around team size or is it they're expanding revenue because they're getting additional reporting features or things like that? It's around seed count. I mean, so uh, Namely uh, was, I think, one of the like a company where there's an individual salesperson uh, who signed up um, for Docs, and and then the rest of the team has since just really uh, adopted the whole thing and brought it on. So Docsend has grown as Namely has grown, and that, that company has been doing incredibly well. Doesn't that feel good? It's great. I'm really happy for them, and I'm really happy for us, and then they can see the value in it. And as the company gets bigger, our product becomes stickier with them, which is a really nice characteristic for us. Hey, Russ, last question before we get into the, the final five here. Um, when was that last round of financing that you raised? When did you close that? Uh, we closed that in a little over a year ago. Okay. So you're either right now raising your next round or LinkedIn's about to give you a $100 million acquisition offer. Which one is it? <laughs> uh, we, uh, have a, a, we don't have to raise more money at this point if we don't want to. Um, that's the other really nice thing about doing larger enterprise sales in terms of controlling your own destiny. And the, the cash up front characteristics of it are also uh, pretty attractive. So you, you guys are profitable. You're not burning cash. Well, we still have cash in the bank. We're not profitable. And there's also cash flow profitable and like accounting profitable. Yeah. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, we are not currently fundraising and we don't currently need to get acquired. Uh, we're just very focused on growing our business, which yeah. is really the most fun part of it. Okay, Top Tribe, as many of you know, I sold Hayo, and everyone is always asking me what my expenses were when I was building Hayo. Well, a big expense was that I spent over three grand per month on financial services to keep me out of trouble in terms of taxes. You know, my mom would always harbor me, Nathan, you gotta keep all your receipts and put them in a freaking box or something to make sure you don't get an audit or things like this. I'm like, mom, I'm a millennial. You think I'm gonna keep all these receipts? I now use FreshBooks. I use their mobile app to take a picture of receipts, and it makes taxes a cinch. Additionally, I don't have to hire a $3,000 per month person to manage all my finances. It's like saving so much money and my mom's happy. Additionally, I don't waste a bunch of time creating invoices. I use their templates and I can avoid using Word templates or Excel files. I just use FreshBooks to quickly send out invoices and it works like a charm. To get your free first month, go to nathanlatka.com forward slash FreshBooks and enter the top in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Again, go to nathanlatka.com forward slash FreshBooks and enter the top in the How Did You Hear About Us section. I'll quickly guys pull a lesson out just for SaaS entrepreneurs listening because a lot of people don't talk about it like Russ does. The difference between accounting profitable and, and you know, cash flow profitable, those are two very different things, especially considering we can pull cash forward from these enterprise deals. So that can make you kind of accounting profitable in some sense. So uh, read into that and study that obviously how you see fit. But Russ, thanks, uh, thanks for being up uh, transparent there. I appreciate it. Um, let's wrap up. Last five questions. These are like cake compared to what I've asked. Are you ready? Maybe, sure. I, Go I ahead. promise. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, uh, good to great. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Oh, the CEO, uh, DocuSign, Keith, is phenomenal. He actually just recommended uh, a book to me, the, the, the Regis Touch, that I just started reading, which he is just, phenomenal. Wasn't, I love what he's doing. Didn't that just get confirmed like today, I think, right? New CEO? There's a. Did you, uh, did you read that news? Oh, uh, no, I don't know when, when that was, um, uh, confirmed. I haven't, I haven't seen the news on that. Oh, 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 I thought, 
because DocuSign was searching for a new CEO, and I think they said effective this week, Daniel Springer is taking over the reins from uh, from oh Keith was chairman, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Got it. And I think interim CEO. Yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Okay, so you're following him. Good. Uh, number uh, number three. Besides your own, is there a favorite online tool you have? Oh, um, oh, favorite online tool, man. There's there are there are there's just so many of them. Um, uh, sales or personal? Uh, what you use the most, whether it's personal or business? Oh gosh, uh, I, I mean, other than like Gmail or Slack or Truly Wireless is a new one uh, that I like a lot. We use that for phone, all of our phone calling um, stuff. Great. Number four, yes or no? Do you get eight hours of sleep every night? Uh, yes. And what's your situation? Married, single? Do you have kids? Um, uh, single. Single. Nice. With a girlfriend who's awesome. Awesome. No kids, right? No kids. All right. And how old are you? I'm 32. All right. Last question, Ross. Take us back 12 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Oh, 20-year-old self. Um, I, I guess uh, uh, patience. Um, <laughs> do things well and be patient with them, and then they will turn out well later. Stop, drive. There you have it. Do things well. Be patient with them, and good things will happen. Again, from Russ, founder of Doxen, founded in 2013. Now a team of about 25 people, mainly based in San Francisco, with one out in LA or one out in New York. Sorry, targeting now annual contract values or team sizes of at least 30 to or more, ideally 50 or more people. Uh, ARPUs again in terms of seat sizes, ranging from $10 self serve all the way up to 100 bucks, depending on feature sets and things like that. Raised 11 million bucks in capital last round about a year ago. They really successfully employed venture debt, it sounds like as well, serving over 2,800 paying customers and over 10,000 seats. Russ, thank you for taking us to the top. Great. Thank you, Nathan. If you enjoyed Russ today, go back and listen to Pietari yesterday. He self-funded his company, Vainu, to $400,000 in monthly recurring revenue and now has over 1,000 customers and helps them get business-to-business leads faster and close them quicker. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday. 